Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, good evening, everyone. It's Deb Crow, your host of the Change Book Radio Show. And every week I tell you how excited I am about who I'm going to interview. But I think tonight I've gone up one more notch on the excitement meter. I'm just really, really thrilled to see the caliber that Jim and Jim keep attracting to the Change Book series. We are now on book 15. We are in 26 countries. And I truly believe they are drawing people of the same cloth and people that are looking to make a difference and believe in giving back and being philanth- having philanthropy pursuits in their community, in their state, and at country at large. It just warms my heart. So tonight, I'm, I'm just over the moon excited. I'm hoping you can hear my smile through my microphone. I am interviewing Chris Keaton from Book 14, and let me tell you a little bit about Chris before we bring him on live. He is an award-winning music publisher. He's an artist management consultant and an entertainment industry executive who resides in Nashville, Tennessee. Wait till you hear his accent. I'm already melting. His lifelong career in music has included many years as a touring performer, a recording artist, songwriter, and record producer. In 2016, Chris was honored by being inducted into the North Carolina Music Hall of Fame. He is a member of the Country Music Association, the Academy of Country Music, and is also a 25-year voting member of the Recording Academy for the Grammys. He has also served as a judge in the Miss America organization. Chris has co-authored the book, The Seven Stupid Mistakes People Make Trying to Get Into the Music Business, And he's working on his next project, Politeness Man, A Guide for the Modern Man. Chris is a big believer in giving back and has served on many boards, including the Nashville Ballet, the Virginia Museum of Transportation, and the Advisory Council of Nashville's W.O. Smith Community Music School. He also volunteers as a mentor at Lipscomb University Joshua Project. So, Chris, welcome to the Changebook Radio Show. Hey, Deb, thanks so much. I'm thrilled to be here. I, I don't even know where to start because I'm just, I'm just sitting here in, <laughs> in awe. And it's just such a delight to have you as part of our community. So let's start there. What, how was your first initial communication with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz? And what was your final decision to join our global community and write a chapter and contribute in Book 14? Well, my um, dear friend and songwriting client, Mike Greenley, who lives in New York City, who, by the way, is a multi, uh, multi-award multi winning billboard charting uh, songwriter uh, who I happen to represent. And, and we've, over the years, have become very, very dear friends. And 
a few years ago, he was in one of the books, and I don't remember off the top of my head which uh, edition, but he said, you know, you really ought to think about doing it. And I was like, well, sure, why not? And then I forgot about it. And then about six months ago, he brought it up again, and I said, yeah, let me let me jump into that. One of the reasons I decided to jump into it was Mike, as an incentive, had sent me every copy of the book, uh, every edition of it. And I read, I guess I have read every single one of them. And it's so inspiring. In fact, typically when I read a book, I try to take notes. And I've got a, a composition book full of notes from the Change Series books. And I refer to it on a weekly basis whenever I need a little inspiration. I just open to any page and there's something there. So that's really what what pushed me over the edge to go ahead and do it. But then the fact that I could be, you know, through the law of association, be considered in the group with all the people who had been in there before. So, you know, it kind of finally became a no-brainer to me. You know, they say, you know, a message travels across time and space, but it takes it can take a year or more to get through that last eighth of an inch in our skull. And I guess that was really the the reality with me. Well, I'm just, I'm sitting here smiling because I don't know if you know this, but Mike Greenlee and I are buddies. And I didn't know that you and Mike Greenlee were also buddies. And Mike was in book eight and I was in book five. And then I also did another chapter in book 12. And I do believe that Mike came back and did another chapter. And I have to agree with you. I I think Mike, like yourself, is so multifaceted and multi-talented. And I think that he's just really starting to see the greatness of his writing across many different industries because he's was just involved in a project for Deepak Chopra. Now he's a lyricist with a billboard number one chart um, song that he helped with. So it just warms my heart to hear how you've come into the community and embraced it. And I love what you said about mindset and really just talk about that for a minute with me, Chris, because I think a lot of the times we allow fear to be a barrier and a dream crusher, if you will, to our aspirations and what we want to do. And what was one of the things that you could talk about or share with the listeners and, and your fellow co-authors in the Change Book series? How, how did you move towards getting through that last little bit of mindset to just write your chapter, get it done? Or you can even equate it to some of the work that you've done within the music industry. Well, just right before I do that, let me also say one other thing about Mike Greenlee, or two other things. One is, in addition to all of the things that we mentioned, he also is the lyricist of the, the new state song of the state of Virginia in the U.S., which is an amazing thing. I mean, because the last state song they had, they had it for over uh, nearly 200 years. So so his song will live way on beyond his years, which is a wonderful thing. The second thing is he's been a really great mentor 
to my daughter, who is uh, an aspiring actor, and he has given her wonderful inspiration, um, just a little bit of guidance, and just all kinds of enthusiasm, and he's just, he's a wonderful person. Anyway, that's the last nice thing I'm ever going to say about Mike. I'm done talking about him now, but I, I will say this. You know, as far as the mindset goes, um, you know, it it finally came down to the fact that, you know, I realized it was ultimately really a short chapter that I had to write. And all I had to do was write about my favorite subject, which is me. So it was actually pretty easy to do when you come down to it. And and so that sort of did it. I... um, had some help with people looking at it before I uh, turned it in, and we did some edits on it. But I'm very pleased with the way it came out. Um, and I'm really, again, excited about the, the folks that I'm in the book with. And, and here we go again, but i got to talk about Mike again. He's actually also in uh, uh, Edition 14 with me. Um, so, yeah, the, you know – we're kind of joined at the hip, I suppose. Well, it's interesting. You know, I have been involved with this community, Chris, since 2015. And I flew to California and I met Jim Britt and Jim Lutz and almost a hundred of the co-authors. And it just really warms my heart to hear that Mike was sending you all the different books because I have book one to book 14 And I'm anxiously going to await, well, 14 is on route as soon as it's published, from Diane Curran out of L.A., who I interviewed last week. And I have read all of the chapters. And I often say to people, we can buy self-help books, but if they sit on the shelf, they're self-help, unless you physically take them off and read them and, and put that advice and those great strategies into play, right? So I'm really happy to hear that you've had exposure because we have 280 co-authors now in 26 countries. And when I had the idea to create the show, Jim and Jim were like, go for it. And it's such an honor and a privilege for me to interview all the co-authors every week because every week I'm in a different geographic region. And every week there's a nugget for me to take away because I consider myself to be a lifelong learner. And Mike did send me the CD of that Virginia State song, and and I have it, and I agree with you. And I I think it's part of his legacy, which leads very nicely into my next question for you. I know that you've had quite a story within the music industry, and I want to talk about that in a minute. But I want to know what is going to be your legacy. What do you want to leave as your legacy, Chris? Well, there are a couple of things, and and thank you for asking. Um, The first one is um, my wife and I are blessed to have a daughter who is 17 years old, and and she is um, looking at different colleges to go for next year. And one of the – one of the processes that she's been involved with is writing an essay that will go to the majority of the schools. 
And the essay that she wrote was about the fact that she has an understanding of music and a relationship with music that that no one else her age in her estimation has. Because all along I introduced her to different music that I loved that she wouldn't have been aware of before. And and she just says that really made a big difference in her life. So the number one legacy that I'm leaving is is my daughter and the memories that she will have of growing up with my wife and me and the way that we introduced her to music and and that sort of thing. The other legacy, and this is kind of a funny thing that I have to mention, I'm also, in addition to being in the music business, I've also always loved fashion and dressing up and wearing nice clothes. And if you ask anybody that knows me, they'll tell you that I always like to to be the second best dressed guy in the room whenever I go in. And and so I have a part time job at with Macy's, which is a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful situation for me. And I took it for a lot of different reasons, but the one reason and the one legacy I'm going to be able to leave that I never saw coming was. I get to teach a lot of young guys how to dress and how to look good and show up for an interview and and how to, to how to present themselves. I never saw that coming and I see that as a legacy that I'm going to be able to leave with a lot of young guys. Uh I just I think that's so beautiful and so introspective and I, I'm going to put my request in right now then. I I have not been to Nashville. So you've now just set the stage that not only do I want Chris Keaton to be my tour guide when I come, but I know that I'm going to be hanging out with, as ZZ Top would say, a well-dressed man, right? Every girl is crazy about a sharp-dressed man. Well, yes, indeed they are, and, and that's very true. And And so your reservation is in place. Whenever you can come to Nashville, I'll be your tour guide. I think we're going to have to do a road trip with Mike because I'm meeting Mike face-to-face. I've known him virtually for two years, and I'm heading to New York City on the weekend of December 1, 2, and 3, and Mike is hosting a writing uh, workshop, and I'm just going to support him. And I think there's going to be big tears because that is the other element of this global community, Chris, that I really love is I have so many beautiful collegial relationships, but I also have some really deep-seated, warm-your-heart friendships that I've created and a real connectedness with many of the men and women in this global community, which I know that you're already embracing. And it's just so interesting to me that you can see someone and talk to them for so long but nothing will ever replace that face-to-face meeting and communication for me. So I'm going to hang out with Mike and then we're off for dinner and a Broadway play together. And I I just can't even tell you how excited I am to be in his presence and, and just have him live. It's going to be awesome. Well, all I can tell you is prepare yourself because it's, it's an, it's a, an over-the-top experience being with him. He he is so engaging in person. 
He knows so much about the city. He knows about, you know, how to get around. He's, I mean, he's a Broadway aficionado. He, I can't, I have to stop because I've already said enough nice stuff about him. I've just got to shut up now. I've got to quit. <laughs> but he's really, really, you will have a wonderful time with him. And, uh, and I, I'm, I'm pleased that you'll be able to do that for sure. Well, I want to tell you that I I read your chapter and I love your writing style and okay, we'll stop talking about Mike. I I wanted to tell you that I read your chapter and I love your writing style and I I love your humor and I I see a lot of your humor in other co-authors who have contributed to the change. I would love to hear the emotion that you felt when you found out that you were inducted into the North Carolina Music Hall of Fame. What did that mean to you and and how did you view it for everything that contributed to you being nominated? Well, first, thank you for asking about that. It was um, very humbling and still is every day when I even think about it, but I have to tell you a couple of things about it. First, I never saw it coming. Um, the band that I was inducted into the Hall of Fame with, I was in that band 30 years ago and haven't played with them for a really, really long time, but I have remained very dear friends with them over the years. They still perform 200-plus dates a year. So they're still out there, but when I was in when I was in the band, and the band was named the Band of Oz. Well, you know, so that's a takeoff on the Wizard of Oz or the Land of Oz. Well, the whole time I was in the band, I kept asking them, you know, why in the world don't we do Over the Rainbow? I mean, it just seems to make the most sense. And they would go, you know, whatever. And so I kept kept it up and kept asking it. And finally the leader of the band said, look, if you'll do an arrangement, we'll take a listen to it and maybe we'll think about recording it. So I said, sure. Well, we were fortunate to have as a lead singer, a guy named John Thompson who had the most beautiful baritone voice. And I thought how cool it would be to hear somewhere over the rainbow sung by a baritone voice. So I asked him to, come to my little home studio and and let's do a demo. So we did. I played it for the band and they said, you know what, this is really pretty good. Let's do it. So we went in the studio. They allowed me to produce it, come up with the arrangement and we put it out and it became the best selling single they've ever had throughout all the years. So when they were invited to, to be members of the North Carolina Music Hall of Fame, they invited four former members and I was one of them and and it was really quite amazing because when they first asked me about it my answer was oh yeah sure that would be great and I didn't think anything about it really and then as time went on I start, I would think about it more and more and I was like wow this is like amazing and the closer that we got to it the more humbling and more monumental that it seemed to me. 
so much so that about 30 days before, I knew I wasn't going to be able to thank everybody from the stage who had been instrumental in my career. So on my blog, I spent 30 days thanking people with little stories and little anecdotes of my career. And it was, it was a wonderful time for me. And, and, and then ever since, I mean, it's just, it, I don't know how to tell you this other than it's just really humbling to be considered, you know, to be a member of that hall of fame. And, and I'm very grateful. Well, and I think it's a culmination of many years of hard work and grit and tenacity and, I love that you give several examples in your chapter in book 14 about listening to your own little voice instead of input from others and and how it made a real difference for you in your career. Can you just give a couple of examples of that, Chris? Well, um, yeah, actually the first one, first and foremost one being when, um, when I decided I wanted to move from Virginia to Nashville, I mean, it was a huge step. And, and for a short period of time, I really kind of second guessed it and thought, well, I don't know if I should do that or not. And then it hit me, you know, if I start telling people that I'm going, then I have to go or else I got to come back to those people and say, well, you know, I was really only kidding about moving to Nashville. So one of the things that helped me make, that decision and other decisions since then was to go ahead and make that decision, set that intention in my mind and then tell other people about it because suddenly then you become accountable to those other folks, whether you want to be or not. And that's been a big blessing for me to understand that for sure. That's probably one of the biggest ones. The other one was that no, only means no for five seconds. It's not a definite answer forever and ever because things change, particularly in the business of in the, in the, in the entertainment business, because when you're making a pitch to someone of a song or an artist or a TV show idea or a movie idea or whatever, you never know what just happened with that person before you pop into their office. They could have had a terrible lunch and they're sitting there with indigestion. Or secondly, they could have just had a a terrible telephone call with someone and they're in a bad mood and they're not really even listening to what you're saying to them. So if they tell you no at that point, it doesn't mean no forever. It just means no right then. So that's another big lesson I learned. Well, and I love that. And I I have a similar analogy in that I feel no just means that you reverse it and it doesn't mean that it's on right now. So it's just a time for reflection and maybe pausing. And I believe that everything happens for a reason. I know it sounds so cliche, but I really think it does. Um, I just want to read a little bit from your chapter because I always find a paragraph that really resonates with me. And then I'd I'd like to share with you why it resonates with me. And it's the tail end of your chapter in book 14. And the subheading is bottom line. And I just would like to read your words for the listeners. When that little voice inside suggests that you say or do something, heed the advice. 
That voice is there for a reason, and yes, it is talking to you. Following my heart has brought me some wonderful opportunities and joyful experiences, even though at times those around me couldn't see the potential benefits. Hello in there. Let me get down to it. It's no one else's dream but yours. And here's a little test for those times when the, quote, boo, unquote, birds and naysayers are all around you screaming, don't do it, while your heart shouts out, go for it. Imagine that you are 80 years old and sitting in your favorite rocking chair on your porch enjoying a gorgeous late summer sunset and thinking back over your life. As you reminisce, would you rather be happy for having made the decision to go for it or endure the uncomfortable feeling of, if I had only? I hope these three lessons have impacted your life as they have mine, onward and upward to us all. What I really love about that, Chris, is we all have our trials and tribulations and traumas and emergencies in life. And I think sometimes in the middle of the chaos, or as some people would say, the shitstorm, that's where the beauty is. And my daughter had a car accident four years ago and sustained a brain injury. And when I was home with her, looking after her, I thought, I need to go do something for myself. And every other Saturday morning, I volunteer at our local hospice. So when you talk about being 80 years old and sitting on your favorite rocking chair on your porch, when I have the honor and privilege of sitting beside someone's bed and holding their hand, it's what they always say to me. They look into my eyes and they say, Deb, just live your dreams. Aspire to your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. Because it's my biggest regret. I wish I, I wish I could go back in time. So when I, when I sit with these people at end of life, I get so much joy and a calmness in my heart. And it just makes me realize that even if someone says no, that doesn't mean I'm going to give up. It just means maybe I'm going to trailblaze another path that nobody has done yet. So I just, I wanted to turn that back to you and say, it was just such an eloquent and beautiful way to end your chapter. Where have you found that inner grit or ability to dig down deep and trailblaze when you've had the naysayers around you, Chris? You know, a a couple of things. I think in a funny sort of way, it's that... um, it's that thing they refer to as FOMO, fear of missing out, which is like, okay, you know, I can accept what this person says that, you know, this artist is not that great or whatever, or I can keep trying because the the fear is the day that you decide to quit and, and give up, then what if five minutes later the phone were to ring and the person calls you and says, you know that thing you pitched me two weeks ago? We got to go do that. We just green-lighted that with the studio. So I think that's part of it. The other thing is that over the years I have figured out or finally come to the realization that, yes, that little voice inside is speaking to me, and it's not just talking for no reason. And I got to tell you, Deb and everybody listening, that um, I sure wish I'd come to that realization when I was about 20 
you know, instead of when I did later in life. And because it, it's, it's true. I mean, you, you have to listen to your heart and, and, you know, like Zig Ziglar used to say, failure is, you know, is a small event. It's not a destination. It's just, it's something that happens and it's no big deal unless you make it a big deal. And so, you know, kind of all of that, I guess. I, I hope that makes sense. Oh, it, it makes great sense. And, and I love that acronym, FOMO. And, you know, I, I'm such a big lover of Zig Ziglar, and it is an event. And to me, when someone asks me about failure, I tell them that it gives me an opportunity of getting back up and creating a new on-ramp to success. And I think I've learned the most as an entrepreneur, as a mother, as a wife in my life by my failures. And I think people want our vulnerability, Chris. I think that they want to see in the depths of us thinking, you know what, I'm on the edge here. Like I just can't take any more. But when we dig a little bit deeper and I think we pull out our emotions and our intellect and our emotional intelligence and think, no, I'm, I'm bigger than this. I'm better than this. I think if we can allow people's judgment to just be that, when people are scared, they try to feel better by putting others down. And I think we also may fear those who are different from us and may judge them because they're unlike us. But that's okay. Thoughts can become things if we allow it, but I've never, ever seen failure as not an element contributing to who I am as a person or my success in life. So you and I are still young. If we're 100, that's old. We're still young, and I always believe our best days are just a foot ahead of us, and and we just have to embrace who we are and know that what we're doing in this moment is just adding to the moment to come. And I'm the eternal optimist, Chris. I'm, I'm that cheerleader with the oversized pom-poms in the room, right? <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'm there with you. I'm the same, I'm the same thing. Um, I am the eternal optimist, you know, and every day I have, you know, a short period of time where it's like, oh, man, oh, gosh, I can't do this. Oh, gosh, this is so horrible. And then you go, well, wait a minute. It could be a lot worse. So let's just, you know, let's work through this and let's go for it. You know, and and we just, you, you can't give up. I mean, giving up is not an option, you know, and it's kind of like the old Yoda thing and I'll paraphrase it here, there is no try, there is only do or not do. And and that's really what it comes down to. The other thing, you know, to your point of that it's never over till it's over, I mean, think about it like this. Um, Giorgio Armani, who's one of my heroes, uh, didn't even decide to get into fashion until he was 40 years old. He's 80 now and still kicking ass. I mean, you know, it's it's not over till it's over. Um, I, I laugh with people all the time now because um, my first act was being a performer. My second act was being 
an executive in a music business. And now my third act is I'm starting to be an actor and do, do some commercials and, and some small films and maybe some big films as we go forward. But, you know, it's only over when you say it is. So as long as you don't say it's over, there's, there's still a chance. Well, and I love that about you. And I wanted to tell you that I really, really love your website. And I want to talk about your mom because I think <laughs> that I, I think your mom, God love her in her 80s. She's like so sweet and so cute. And and I think you get your grit and your tenacity from your mom because I read that you had helped her at Christmas and she had a bad cold, but you know, the old saying, the show must go on. Do you think that you got your love and gift of music and just how you embrace music from your mom? Yeah, there's no question about that. I got my love of music and my never giving up from my mom. I also got some things from my dad too. One of the things about my dad, and, and he he died quite a while ago, but he, two things. When, when I think of him, I think of him almost skipping into the house, snapping his fingers, humming a song, always in a good mood. And then I think about, at his funeral, a friend of his asking me, you know, do you know why you guys never went on the same vacation twice? And and I said, no, I never really thought about it. My dad was diagnosed with uh, diabetes when he was 21 years old. He nearly quit medical school. He nearly just gave up. But then he then he thought, no, you know what, I'm going to live every day like it's my last one because you never know. So when we were growing up, Every year we went somewhere different on a vacation, and we never figured out why, but now I know because he never wanted to do the same thing twice. So I got my grit and tenacity and love of music from my mom. I got my eternal optimism from my mom and my dad. And, and you know, rewinding to your question about legacy, if I can leave that same sort of legacy with my daughter – and her future children, then I've done a pretty good job. Well, and I think as a parent, that's the best we can do, right? It, it is the best we can do. But I also got to tell you this about my mother and her grit and her tenacity. So she's 85. And in August, when I was going up to Virginia to visit, she called me at the last minute. She said, put your sacks in the car and bring it up here. And I'm like, what? And she said, we're going to do a Christmas program. You need to come up here and practice. So she and I are doing a Christmas program in December of this year at the facility where she lives in Virginia. So she's never given up. <laughs> well, and, and 85 is just a number and a mindset, and it sounds like, uh, you know, I think she's been extremely impactful. Now, I have to ask, I am a huge fan of Nashville, the TV show. So when I was on your website today, I was quite excited because the Bluebird is an actual place. It's not fiction. And you've been there and you've played there. So you have to tell me this story because I was like, it's real. There really is a Bluebird place for musicians to go and play. 
because when you watch shows like that, you think everything's fiction. So, so do tell Chris. Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely a real place. A couple of things about it. Number one, it's, it's much smaller than you can even imagine. I don't think it seats, but about 80 people total in the, in the whole room. It's very small and it's very unassuming, but it's, it has become the, the, the Mecca for songwriters all, all around the world. And now because of the TV show, you can't drive by there even during the day when it's closed without people peering in the windows. And it's, it's the most amazing thing. The second thing that I would say about it is um, that the set that you see on the TV show is actually not the bluebird, but it's a, uh, a, a representation of it that they built us at a soundstage because it's so small that they couldn't fit cameras in there with a whole group of people. So, but yeah, it's a real place and it's a, a phenomenal place because every songwriter in the world wants to play there and every fan of songwriting wants to go visit there. It's an amazing place. I, I can't say enough great things about it, but I will tell you this. If you do go, you have to be prepared to be quiet. It's a listening room, and the servers in the restaurant there will come up and shush you if you're talking. They will do that. Okay, well, I, I'm already booking my tour with you, and I think, I think <laughs> okay. I'm going to bring Mike, and we're going to go to the Bluebird, and, and, and I'll have mm-hmm. to tell Mike that we, we can't be our gregarious selves, that we'll have to be mindful and quiet, but... What what a what an honor! Um, your your blog just evokes emotion and success and happiness, and I'm all about work life balance, which I renamed work life fit. And I I love to help people really figure out the imbalance in their life and do what they really really love. And I just I just feel from your website and just talking to you tonight, Chris, and reading your chapter. I just feel like you're in such a good place and happy with who you are and your brand and all the people you've helped. What is on your agenda for the rest of this year? What are some of your goals and some of your aspirations? Well, the biggest one right now and the the biggest thing that I'm focused on now is um, helping my daughter get into the college she wants to go to and then moving through that process. The, the second thing is, you know, career-wise, listen, the music business is in a crazy spot, and there's, there's no middle class anymore. There, there is emerging artists, and then there are really successful artists, and there's no middle class. And it's an interesting place to be. One of the things that I'm able to do is help emerging artists with the experiences that I've had, both good and bad, because you need a guide to figure it out. So my goals between now and the end of the year are, like I say again, to to focus with my daughter, to enjoy her senior year of high school, to um, to try to grab every second of that, and and then just focus on next year and and. 
the the I, I guess the biggest intention and the biggest goal that I have is to wake up every day and remember how good I've got it and that and to stop every now and then and count my blessings and to stop and take a deep breath and think about where I came from, where I am now, and where I'm going to be because it, life is a huge adventure. Somebody told me this years ago, and, and, it, and I still think it's the funniest thing ever, but it's really true. If you think about it like this, life is good. Every day is a holiday, and every meal is a banquet. There you go. You, you and I are so much alike. I'm just sitting here smiling because you, you are a member of Mike Dooley's website, Tut.com, yeah. which I am. <laughs> and you and I wake up every single morning with at least 10,000 yeah. reasons to be happy. And I That's am right. like, I, I am the gratitude junkie. I wake up every day. I have gratitude. I've got Mike's you know, little email in my inbox every yeah. morning. And, you know, so I have two girls me... and they'll say to me, mom, like, do you ever have an off day? And I'm like, no, like, it's just not, it's just not in my, in my repertoire. I'm happy. So when did you cross Mike Dooley's path? I would love to hear this. Well, well, first off, I got to ask you a question. So when you wake up those five days of the week that, that you get that email from the universe, is it the first thing that you pop on? No, I, I have a really stringent morning routine. So uh-huh. I wake up, I wake up and I have a meditation coach who makes me a custom yeah. meditation every month. I listen to her meditation and then I fill out my five minute journal and then I go to the gym. And then when I get to work, I check my email and, and then I read it and I always laugh because it's always appropriate. It's always like, okay, Mike, you're right. Today is, that's, that's what today is going to be for me. Yeah. It's well, and, and I'm, I'm in that same boat with you. I mean, I do a, I, I read a little bit every morning and do a meditation um, just to get myself in the right frame of mind for the rest of the day. But I do catch myself, the first email that I will read because again, from another guy that I follow, Chris Brogan, I've, I've kind of learned to like leave the emails alone until you get yourself in the right frame of mind and get yourself on the right path, set your intention for the day and all of that. But I do find myself sneaking in there and just to see what Mike Dooley says every day. Cause it's always phenomenal. And it's, and it always gives me that little extra second to go, you know what? I can do this. And it's uh it's pretty amazing. So I'm I'm glad to know you're in that tribe too. That's so great. Uh, I'm in that tribe, but it you and I are gonna intertwine a little bit more here because I know you're a lover of great music. That that goes without saying. I am a lover of great wine. I am a lover of fashion. Mm-hmm. And I'm married to a mechanic who knows a lot about fast cars. So I think when my husband, John, and I come, I think you and your wife, I think the four of us are going to have a good time because to me, music heals everything. And even if we do have a bad day, which, you know what, to be honest, sometimes we do. It doesn't mean we stay in it. But don't you find solace 
and turning on some music and, and who are some of your favorite artists, Chris? Who soothes your soul? Well, first off, yes, music, music heals. Music changes people's lives. It, it changed mine, uh, and it changes mine every day. Um, one of the fun things that I do on my, on my Facebook page uh, in the month of October, I call it Rocktober because I've always thought that was really funny, and I, and I consciously post a song every day that, that I really love. And I make myself listen to the song all the way through before moving on. Because it just, it, you know, those three minutes and 30 seconds or however long, it's, it's just like, it's that little pause that refreshes. It's that little pause that makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, music really is a wonderful thing. Who are my favorite artists? Let me, I mean, I could list them alphabetically, I guess. But, I mean, I love the Bee Gees. I love ACDC. Okay, I'm going backwards. Sorry, so my alphabet's not that good. Um, the Bee Gees, ACDC. I love the Beatles. I love the Rolling Stones. I love um, the Killers, brand new band. I love uh, Minnie Ripperton. I love Stevie Wonder. I love Steely Dan. I love... Um, well, I know I mentioned them once, the Rolling Stones, but I really love the Rolling Stones. Um, uh, I love Frank Sinatra. I love Michael Buble. I love Tony Bennett, for crying out loud. I mean, I love Carole King. I, it, it's, and I love songwriters, Cynthia Weil and Barry Mann. I dearly love them. Um, Clifford Curry, uh, Ronnie Millsap, uh, Brooks and Dunn. Garth Brooks, I mean, there's almost nobody I don't love. It, because, and, I, and, I, and I'll tell you who else I love. I love the songwriters that I hear playing at open mics who are, who are bearing their souls in front of people that they don't even know. It's like, it's like that, you know, that recurring nightmare that, that probably all of us have of being naked in front of the classroom? That's what songwriters do every time they get up to play a song for somebody. They're standing there naked, and I applaud that so much. So I hope that answers the question. I know it was kind of a, a, a long-winded way to get there, but those are the people that I love. Well, and what I love about your answer is music, much like the world, has no borders. It has no boundaries, and you just gave a beautiful list across many genres, all of which I am also a fan. I'm biased to say that I'm very happy you like Michael Bublé because he is Canadian. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Now, wait a minute. Also, I did. I failed to mention Leonard Cohen. But you did, And Shania Twain. You forgot about oh, Shania. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I didn't forget about Shania because, you know, she's got a new album out right now. It's called Now. And he does. what an yeah, what an amazing artist. And but I'm um, like I'm like you. You can take me from the old classic rock. I love, you know, the Rolling Stones, Aerosmith, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin. But, you know, I can sit in a jazz bar or a country music bar. 
I just mm-hmm. think music really is, it, it's, it's just soulful. I think it speaks to us on many different levels as human beings. And we all have our different songs within many different genres, but I really think it's, it's just a deeper connection that we have as human beings living this wonderful experience we call life. I want to mention to you, because I love to make connections every week on the show, and you talk about your daughter and her aspirations. And we have a Hollywood producer who is in our book series, and his name is David Hevener. And I'm going to introduce you to him. And <laughs> You know what's funny? Will, you, you know him. I have to stop you here. I do know him because he's also a songwriter. And he is? Probably, oh, yeah, 10-plus years ago, we met. Oh, yeah. And he is a phenomenal human being. I've lost touch with him, so I would love for you to re- reconnect us. That would be marvelous. Well, my friend, you can consider that done because he is another amazing person. I I told him I want to put a GPS on him because between Los Angeles, Atlanta, Georgia, Toronto, Canada, New York, Leamington, Ontario, Canada, and Belize, I can't keep up with him. And he is much like you. He is a big believer in giving back. Uh, He serves on many different boards. He does a ton of philanthropy in Belize along with his wife. And again, it goes back to how I started the radio show. The people that are in the Change Book series, we are together for a reason. And I think that we are shifting a paradigm one co-author and and one book at a time and it's beyond a privilege to be in your company Chris and I I just want to ask you what are some of your goals for 2018 what's what's on the bucket list to just um continue to be the best me that I can be every day and and again circling back to where we started this conversation, one of the biggest gifts that Mike Greenlee has given me over the years, and and our friendship is 10 plus years, is that every day to be the best me that I can possibly be. And if I can do that, then then I'm hitting all of the numbers going forward. And, um, And that's really it because, again, I'm I'm just looking at the future like it's a blank slate and anything's possible and nothing is impossible unless you say it is. So there, there you have it. I can't even add to that perfect answer. I feel like we're twinning right now. I got that term from my children. (laughs) I, um, I have really, really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed speaking with you, Chris and, and interviewing you. And I, you have done so much greatness in your life now. So anything that you continue to do, mentoring, creating, assisting, it's just going to be kind of the icing on the cake, but I'm putting it on record that I'm, I'm coming to Nashville with my husband, John, and and you're going to be the best dressed tour guide ever. Well, I appreciate that. And I look forward to that. And the, the one other thing that I would say is, to uh, ask the listeners to be listening out for the Crawford Brothers, which is a brand new act I'm working with from Australia. 
and they're really, really phenomenal. Um, and yes, anybody who's listening who wants to get in touch with me, I'm very easy to find, and I'm usually pretty good at responding. I try to be better at it every day, but I'd love to hear from everybody. And Deb, I look forward to having you and John as our guests here in Nashville. Anytime you want to come. Well, it's just, you know, Chris, it's another added bonus of the many wonderful people that you are now within a global community with to reach out. And the synergy is my favorite word. It's limitless. Uh, Jim Britt and Jim Lute tease me now and say that I'm never going to rent a hotel room because I've got friends and colleagues in 26 countries. And as much as, you know, (laughs) they make it a joke, it's truthful. And I just feel like the luckiest person in the world. So Chris, I just, I wish you continued success. And it's just been an absolute pleasure to spend the last 50 minutes with you and let's keep in touch and, keep making great music and mentoring people and uh, being the best Chris Keaton that you can. Well, Deb, thank you so much. And you continue to be the best Deb Crow that you can. I know you will every day. And now every day in my setting of intentions, I will be accountable to you as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and and you have that reciprocal from me. And I think now every time I read my Mike Dooley morning email, I'm going to think, I wonder if Chris has read his yet. (laughs) So you have my word. I'm going to uh, make that reintroduction to David Hevner. And I wish you continued success. And I love the help that you're giving your daughter and the legacy that you're creating. And I look forward to the day when we meet face-to-face and I can give you a hug and we can have a beer and enjoy some music at the Bluebird. Me too, Deb. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me as a guest on your show. My pleasure. You take care. You too. Each week I, I have this amazing opportunity to interview and talk to the co-authors in the Changebook series. And I'm always taken back at the talent and just the kindness and humanness of the authors that continue to be drawn in and brought to this global community with the vision of Jim Britt and Jim Lutz. And I just, I'm always amazed at how people are visionary and, and they know who is the right fit and who's not the right fit. And I just, again, Jim Britt and Jim Lutz, I commend you for that. So we are now on book number 15. We have 20 authors per book. So let's do the math together. 14 books, 20 books. That's 280 people in 26 countries. What a platform to be catapulted in as an author. So, Are you someone who has an idea or has a story that needs to be told? A chapter is much less stressful than writing a whole book. And it's how many of the co-authors who have had a lot of success have joined the change book series. If this is something that resonates with you, email me at join the change book series at gmail.com. I would love to chat to you about that. 
And I want to thank my guest again tonight, Chris Keaton from Nashville, Tennessee. Chris, you are inspiring. I'm in awe of who you are as a person, the success that you have had. And again, just wish you continued success. So this is Deb Crow, your host of the Change Book radio show. And again, I am here as your work-life fit expert trying to figure out the imbalance in your life. And I'm proud to let you know that I am relaunching and rebranding my website. And I will be back at the end of the month. You can check out my new site at debcrow.com. So I wish you all a fantastic week. And I'll be back here next week at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Take care and have a great week.